Okay, I've got the thumbs up. We are live on Firewave and we're here for our agency affairs show. Yeah, we're in the process of producing a beautiful intro with, with music. I can just sing agency affairs. There you go. It's perfect. Just record me doing that. Can we clip that? <laughs> doing, And then next time we'll play it. Play the it. reason we've got these really posh mics is because... Just for show. We're really, really pro. successful, yeah. But we actually are turning this into a little podcast series as well. Yes, it's on our main podcast as bonuses every week for those of you that don't join us live. And if you haven't been on one of these previously, what we do is pick some topics throughout the last couple of weeks or week in agency that we think are interesting and hopefully you find interesting. And, like news um, topics in the end, Yeah, we? and we give our opinion on them. Hopefully you'll join in and give your opinion on them. And for those of you that don't bother reading Property Industry Eye and... <laughs> you don't um, need to, we just listen rest, to us. Then we pick out the headlines, <clears throat> mm-hmm. the true headlines and argue against them totally. It has been a bit of a couple of weeks though for a week, news. Couple of weeks. A week, couple of week with an A, couple right. of weeks with E's. Did you do one of these when I was away on holiday? N- no. No. Rubbish, and they say. Yeah. See, I go and holiday, it all falls apart. I was quite ill one week. Tell me more about that. Okay, I had sore throat, <laughs> I had cough. Mm-hmm. I've got some cowpaw at home. So we've got a few topics, and if we've missed anything, then please let us know. We'll start off with yours, actually, I think. It's okay. probably a good one, strong one. Yeah, a frustrating one. So, a state today, it was your friend Graham Norwood, mm-hmm. who, whenever there's negative news about some of the industry, he usually is quite nice on her. So uh... he's all right. He's Graham. Thanks, Graham. <laughs> um, so the headline is best and final offers do massive disservice to sellers claim clickbait. Uh, <laughs> Chris Watkins specially loves a bit of clickbait, doesn't he? <laughs> so Jeremy Pryor, who is the managing director of Auction House, says these offers, also known as sealed bids, rarely achieve the best price for sellers. The simple truth is that sealed bids do a massive disservice to the seller by failing to achieve what could be raised in a competitive environment of an auction room. <sighs> Which, yeah, he says, random single offers and envelopes are rarely likely to, to reach the heights of figures obtained in an open and transparent bidding process. Well, actually, I've got something to say about that straight away. I because, know exactly what you're saying. You can... Well, then they're not necessarily random single offers. That's, That's a bit of an not assumption. not what I thought you were going to say. What were you going to say? That we were told recently that you expect to pay about 60 70% of market price. 67%. 67% is the national average. You are likely to pay 67% of full market value if you buy a property auction. So Mr. Auction House's unbiased opinion all of a sudden looks uh, a bit silly. But there was just a lot of assumptions there because one of his assumptions was it was a single offer. Well, we don't go to best and final just like that. There's a whole process before mm. that. There's a whole nurturing process. And actually what we find is that buyers are asking our advice and our guidance and our mentoring. And we give as much as that as we possibly can do. So somebody asked me recently, actually, the bidders on the, well, we won't say which house it was, but it was a house that was going on the market or on the market for 750. And I was asked specifically by a buyer, what do I need to go up to? Now, of course, I can't say but he doesn't want a cop-out answer because he's an intelligent man. He wants an intelligent answer. And there was two very, very strong bidders. And I said, just looking at previous uh, properties that have gone for sealed bids or have gone for, actually, we don't say sealed bids, we say best and final, you're probably looking at at least maybe 10% over asking. And that will give you a guideline because I don't want him to come along and put 755 in, but nor do I want him to come put 1.2 in and then get cold feet next week. So it's not necessarily always about the highest offer, and we all know that. We want to make sure that they don't get cold feet. They're much less likely to get cold feet if we've nurtured the relationship through the whole process. I think the only point that's in the auction house's favour here is that you cannot get buyer's remorse at an auction. That's true. Well, you can get it. You can get it, but you're stuffed. But you're stuffed, yeah. So, but you would think that would lead to lower offers anyway, just the fact that you can't get that bit. 67% 
says that they do. Yeah. And actually, if the 67% is a true average, what about all the properties that go for 120% of market value because there's so many bidders? So mm. that means there's a hell of a lot going through at 40% and 50%. Yeah. So and, it's too big a risk. And actually, although it's a claim and quite a bold claim, it is absolutely impossible, impossible to know because... You, you can't can know, do like can, for like. You can't do like for like. You literally ever. can't do like for like. So you can never test it. It is literally impossible. And yeah. it's actually a pointless claim into an industry paper. It is because let's say, so we knew about our house, didn't we? A couple of years ago, we didn't get instructed on the old vicarage and we were approached by where? the auction house. I won't say where it was, but the old vicarage that my friend moved into. And we were approached by the auction house to say they want to then do an auction on it, but not a live auction in an auction room, whatever that's called, the online auction thing. Proxy, is it? it something like that. But they'd been on the market for two years. I couldn't see the point. Surely that was just an invitation for everybody to just offer a ridiculously low price. And it was about to be repossessed, which is why they were thinking about going the auction oh, route because they, yeah. they were in a panic. But the person who bought it, bought it through a genuine negotiation and actually paid a lot more mm. for it than it would have gone for. It's like a fire sale sometimes for, especially for a house that's been on the market for a long time. Yeah, it's like when you've got a house on the market and you can't sell it and the owners ring you and say, got a great idea. <laughs> let's do an open house. Yeah, let's do an open house that nobody's going to come to. When you've not had a viewing in six months and they expect people to pile in. Yeah, Stuff and like then that, buy it. it. And then buy it. Yeah. So yeah, we don't agree with that. And actually the relationships we have with our buyers, and there's more to this story really, because the relationships we have with our buyers are really important to us because that buyer, the failing buyer, the buyer that doesn't win the property, they're going to need to be kept as happy and content as possible and not feel like an idiot because actually they're going to probably go on and buy something else. And we hope it's with us. So they have to not feel like they've been humiliated or, you know, their pride and dignity still needs to be intact. And therefore that relationship we have with that buyer is really important. And actually there could be a seller. It is also an argument that, I've got an answer for his argument, this as well, that the UK market, property market is catching up with the Australian market, which is all auctions pretty much, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But because in the Australia it's all auctions. It's a culture. That's the way it's done. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We're not in that culture here. We don't want to go and stand in somebody's garden and bid on a house. Yes. Auction house is in a verbal fistfight with I am sold, with each claiming to be the largest auctioneer service handling residential property. So, What's the one? Auction house UK? Is it called? And I am sold. I suggest he concentrates on that fight as opposed to... <laughs> yeah, we know we're right on this. Well, and thing. we're trying to buy a property in auction at the moment. And we're trying to buy an auction because we're trying to get a deal. Yeah, we need we're to buy below market to, value. We're not going there to buy above market value. If we were going to buy a development property, we have to then buy in. You have to lock in the profit when you buy it. You don't buy it at market value and then hope you're going to add to it, do you? Mm. Nobody's going to do that. So, okay, a couple of uh, stories. Jason Oppenheim, which if you've been watching Selling Sunset on Netflix, you'll know exactly who I this guy Selling is. I thought Selling Sunset was like full of women. I have heard there's women on it. There's like some very voluptuous yeah, model type women on it. Yeah. But Jason has That's why I was told to watch it. I think it's just like... I wouldn't watch it for Jason. One million dollar listing. I think it's like that, but for yeah. a different part of the... Is it in California? It's in LA, but yeah. yeah, in LA. So obviously he's the new kind of million dollar listing. And he said that he feels sorry for the agents in the UK because he said our system is backward. It's bad for the agents, bad for the buyer and bad for the seller. Don't agree with all that. And that yeah. he thinks that... Well, he feels sorry for us because we can't make enough money in the UK. 
his name Jason Ockham. Yeah. Make a note, we'll try and get him on podcast. That'd be really good, yeah. And his brother Brett as well. So he is now the world's most famous estate agency. I would argue with that because actually Phil and I hadn't heard of him. And he said the <laughs> Netflix... That, that is the answer to everything. <laughs> yeah. If we've heard if of we haven't heard of them, then they don't exist. He says the Netflix series has helped him boost his agency turnover by... Da, 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 20%. Could that not have just been a go- global app, a pandemic? increase over the last two years because ours has gone up by about 30%. More than that, 100%. Oh, wow. There you go. And we haven't got a Netflix series to our name yet. Thanks, Isaac. It spawned several UK copyright programs. I've never even heard of these. Channel 4 show selling Britain's most expensive homes featuring Sotheby's International and Real Housewives of Jersey which I would have just thought was the jersey in America, mm. which features local fine and country franchisee Margaret Thompson. Well done, Margaret. What channel is that one on? It doesn't say. <laughs> Selling Sunset has just been commissioned for a fifth series. Well done, Selling Sunset and Jason Oppenheim. Yeah. When did they actually pay him? 20% is not much, is it? For two years' work, three it's years' not. work since 2018. Yeah, I also argue and don't want his opinion on uh, British State Agency. Hopefully I, he won't I, listen to this, though, because we do want well, to get him on our podcast. We do, but we'll argue with him on it. I don't think the system's perfect, but I do think there are various ways in which you can conduct a good estate agency business, and his model is not the only model that... That works. And certainly it's not. I argue it's better for sellers. Our model. Yeah, I would argue that his model isn't better for sellers, yeah. Isn't necessarily mm. better for sellers. Mm. I think it comes down to the person and the agent, not the model in which they work under. And I think because our system is quite antiquated, and I would completely agree with that, it yeah. requires more skill from us. It requires more nurturing and more help and advice. It requires us to be consultants to the seller. And I think that's where sort of agencies like ours come into their own. That's all for that one. Do you want to know about these? Yep. Two more. One is uh, working from home, just because I think a lot of the news reports are about, are we all going to be working from home in the next couple of years? Not just a state agency, but I think talking about a state agency specifically, how can the state agent work from home? Unless that is their home office, they're based from home. But I think it would be a real detriment to the team morale and team spirit if we were allowing Edward and Hannah and Maz to all work from home. I can't even imagine what the office would feel like. No, I think everyone that's 95% 95% of people that have enjoyed working from home in the last year will either be told to or will end up back in the office. I know big companies have made decisions in order for people to work from home. I think Barclays is one of them. There were a couple. I think they'll be... They'll it's because they've saved an absolute fortune on office space. Yeah, but they'll soon realise that actually the workout will diminish. They'll mm-hmm. probably end up losing staff from it. People aren't Programmed. designed yeah. to work in a silo, I don't think. Yeah. And those people who like working from home depending on the person. If it's a very socialised person, then why do they like working from home? What's the reason for that? Is it just they're just trying to cut the commute or save the childcare? What, you know, what is the reason? And we're seeing the early signs of it already where some homes we've sold over the last 12, 18 months are now coming back to us and with people saying they're going to move back to where they're from, um, the, really? to the cities. Well, we've had two or three, yeah. Wow. Didn't you say it's called the Great Resignation or something? What's it called? The Great Resignation. Yeah. Who coined that? I have no idea. You. Tilly, the great resignation. So just a point on that. Um, it is very worthwhile keeping in touch with everyone that you've sold, that have bought a home over the last 12 to 18 months, because I think there'll be a big percentage that will come back through over the next year or two. As people who've kind of gone, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction yeah. to a global pandemic and now I want my life back. And they start getting called into the office more often. And Great resignation. There you go. Never even heard of that. Anthony Klotz. It's mm. like nothing else we've seen in two decades. So when organisational coined the phrase, the greatest next, what is it? I don't know. Is it everybody leaving work? Is that what it is? Nearly three quarters of employees surveyed by Indeed say they are struggling to hire. Well, that's true. 
I nearly lost Isaac yesterday because I told him that the inn on the lake were paying £25 an hour for pot washing. He was about to, yeah, he was about to go and get but, a the bollock by yeah, CVs. But they're going to have a huge problem and all the workers are going to have a huge problem this time next year when all of a sudden they can get someone for £10 an hour. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. It's going to change. They're not going to keep them on. No. Especially when the foreigners start coming back. Into well, the, also, the I was going to say the staycation is going to diminish, isn't it? Because yeah. people are going to be able to go on holiday it's abroad. It's a massive problem. Yeah. Okay, last story of the day is Dominic Marcel, who is a Keller Williams agent. He's actually been featured on Property Industry Eye and on The Station Today because he claims to be the highest paid independent estate agent in the country. And and he could be right, actually, because I don't know who he's going to bench himself against. I don't know how he's (laughs) going to find that out. But he's paid himself a personal income of 328,000 in the last year, which is a considerable income. It's nearly as much as Phil. And I would say... He needs tax advice, though, if he's doing that. He does, doesn't he? Well, I was going to say his turnover was about 750. That's what he's listed, I think he said, this year. And he's got three independent agents working for him. You know, the Keller Williams model, it's like a waterfall, isn't it? Uh, like a pyramid, I suppose. Mm. And so pyramid it's a, scheme. It's not a pyramid scheme, no. I won't go that far, Ponzi. <laughs> it's a freelance agency model, really. And it's an agency model that is starting to become much more prevalent in the UK. The challenge... Well, we have a few challenges with it. One of the challenges I have with it is... If you look at the American model, the reason that there are so many independent franchisees is more to do with their lifestyle. So actually, if you look at the average number of sales that they make every year as a license, because they have to be licensed, a real estate agent in the US, they normally transact about two or three transactions a year. That's it. So that's a lifestyle choice. That's actually selling their own house or they're a developer. There are a lot of school mums out there. Yeah, there are. And... I don't think we can bench ourselves against those. But if you're going to look at a standard model of somebody who has got an office and just using, say, Keller Williams as a training center and support and Rightmove and Zoopla and all those kind of things, they're probably transacting, I don't know, three or four a month maybe. And then that starts to become more of a realistic turnover. But I don't understand why people need Keller Williams or, and I'm nothing against Keller Williams, I think you're a great brand, I really do. But the same with Colwell Banker, Remax, all the people we know, well, with an odd exception, that have tried the model have actually gone back to being self-employed again. So my friend Paul Rolfe, actually, and by the way, congratulations on your recent wedding, um, who runs Paul Rolfe in Linlithgow. He used to be Remax and he said it was a nightmare to get out of. And what's the point of it? Because once you've learned how to be an estate agent, which probably takes about six months, then why do you need that model that you're paying all that money for? I can see why people do it. I think it's uh, a, a, a comfort blanket. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. Um, there is something wrong with it, though, when they start making decent money and having to pay such a lot of money out to these well, franchises. Well, as long as they accept that that is going to be the end result of it. And I don't put them in the same boat as people like Belvoir Northwood, which they're much more of a traditional franchise model. And I think I can see what they're getting for the payments there. Can you? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you look at Gordon, I can't remember his surname, sorry, Gordon from Northwood in Carlisle, you, I think you've been Northwood franchisee for about 20 years now. And it's a really, really successful office. So the Northwood is synonymous with Gordon now in Carlisle. It's become part of the brand that you are and therefore I can see how that gave you a really strong basis but I think that if you're working from home and you're looking for that system and that process to get your agency off the ground the short-term comfort blanket you're going to get is going to give you a lot of pain down the line three or four years time you're going to be resenting every single penny that you give to that training agency or whoever it is stop clicking your fingers why (laughs) because it'll be annoying on the podcast 
If you're wondering what that clicking was, it was Phil clicking his fingers. Waiting for it to top, stop talking. I've stopped talking now. Go on. Can't, what was going to say now? Oh, yeah. But well done, Dominic. That's uh, yeah, well a done, Dominic. achievement. Very, very good. Yeah, it's very, very I'd be good. interested to know actually what you think you're getting from Keller Williams. Because surely you've proven now that you don't need Keller Williams or any of the brands. Why wouldn't you just... And I know you have your own brand name. I forgot what it is, so I didn't write it down. But why would you need Keller Williams as well as that? You're not trying to save money on right move, surely. And actually, an argument I have about that is... I think people like to see how many properties you've got on Right Move yourself. I don't think people want to go to Keller Williams UK and see that they've got a thousand properties and then try and work out which ones are yours. So that's why well, I they think that... they just wouldn't know. You couldn't tell, no. No. The general public would not know what Keller Williams is. No. It's just confusing because our friend George, George Verdis, he has Keller Williams and he has London Executive in Marleybone. Well, what are people supposed to know? George, London Executive or Keller Williams, what they're trying to remember. Be like us being Sam and Phil and Ashdown Jones and Keller Williams on top of that. I don't see the point. Just come yeah. to Firewave and get all your training from us. And then you don't need to pay us a commission, what you could do if you like. Anything else you want to say? No, that's it. We're done? Done, yeah. Just Thank you very much for watching. As long as Mr. Auction House knows he's wrong. This is episode of Agency Affairs. And if you've got any news topics or ideas that you'd like us to cover, then let us know. And we will try and cover them in the next episode. See you next week. Agency Affairs.